As we set out into 2021, there's a real pressure for me to give a rousing speech and to set before us a new dynamic plan for 2021. There's something in us that says a new year means something has to start again. We have these phrases like a new year, a new me, because we want to forget what is past and move on into the future. But when I look back two years to this day, I preached the sermon on vision and mission here at Lincoln Baptist Church. Over these last two years, we have gained many for the kingdom, accepted in members to LBC, and also mourned the loss of members who have went to be with the Lord. And then in 2020, we had a year like no other. However, the vision and mission of Lincoln Baptist has remained resolute. We haven't wavered from our task before us. We do not stumble into this year. Instead, holding fast to what God has set before us, we press on into 2021. I was reminded of a line in the film Gladiator where Maximus leads his army into battle and as the horses bound down on the enemy he cries out over all the noise, stay with me, hold the line. Well this morning I'm not going to compare myself to Maximus but what I will say is that this sermon is a battle cry. Let us stay the course, hold the line, remain resolutely determined to head into 2021 and what the Lord has for us in his plan. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The premise of this verse is fairly simple. Where there is no vision, people are discouraged and therefore the work of the kingdom slows or even stops. So as I look back two years ago and I look over these last two years, we need to remind ourselves of the vision, not create something new, not a new dynamic plan, not a rousing speech, but looking to the old to see what God has for us this year. So what was that vision two years ago? What is it still today? Well, it can be summed up in one simple line, to make and grow disciples in Jesus. Today's sermon, I'm going to be unpacking this a little bit and then looking at how we achieve that through our mission. But as we look to make and grow disciples in Jesus, we need to understand what a disciple actually is. If we're going to be making them and we're going to be growing them, we need to know what a disciple is. And the most basic definition of the word disciple is to be a follower of someone or something. Often this means becoming a pupil or in other words, learning from the one you follow. It means to show devotion to the person with such zeal that it impacts the way you think, speak and behave. The disciple becomes a reflection of the person that they follow. They begin to speak the same language, behave in the same way, even become a public ambassador or publicist to the cause or the person. But when we take the definition of a disciple being a devoted follower and a public ambassador and then apply it to Jesus, we can have some clear lessons given to us through the Bible. Firstly, a disciple of Jesus is one who acknowledges Jesus as Lord. John 14, 6, a commonly quoted verse says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It also says in Luke 12, 8, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. In these two verses, we see what it means to declare Jesus as Lord and to be a disciple of Jesus, to recognise, to acknowledge and to declare that Jesus is the saviour of mankind, coming in truth, 
coming as the only way to reconcile sin and coming to provide life to all those who believe in him. It is more than just faith though in Jesus, but a publicly declared faith in Jesus that makes you a disciple. Notice that in Luke 12, 8, Jesus said that those who publicly acknowledge him as Lord will be acknowledged before the Father. Spurgeon was as bold to write, you have never truly found Jesus if you do not tell others about him. To be an ambassador is to publicly promote the one you follow. You're no good as a follower, as an ambassador, as a disciple, if you keep quiet and hide the one you follow. To be a disciple of Jesus means to publicly declare your faith, your allegiance and trust to Jesus, and show the world that he is Lord and Saviour. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. And what is the gospel that we are not ashamed of? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. To be a disciple means to acknowledge in your own life that you follow Jesus and to publicly declare the truth of the gospel in Jesus. Secondly, though, a disciple of Jesus is one whose life is changed by his grace. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. When we acknowledge Jesus as the only Son of God, as the sacrifice who came to free us from the bondage of sin, then we also declare that we no longer live for this world and the trappings of this world, but instead we live for our Lord Jesus. In fact, every aspect of our life as a new disciple for Jesus is now orientated towards him and his sacrifice. The disciple of Jesus no longer looks to this world, but is renewed and refreshed to reflect the one that we follow. C.S. Lewis describes it this way, God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. And so a disciple dies to self and the trappings of sin, replacing what has been put to death with good and godly virtues. So 2021 isn't about becoming new and creating something better from the old self. It's becoming new by taking on the new person that Christ bestows upon us through faith as his disciples. Thirdly, though, disciples of Jesus are marked by their devotion to him. Turn with me to Luke 14. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Is Jesus advocating that we should hate our families and loathe their very existence? Absolutely not. I don't believe that that's what he's saying here. I think that would be contrary to the wider text of God's word. However, let's look at the context here. The crowd are following Jesus from place to place, caught up in the hype, treating Jesus as a celebrity. And Jesus is reminding them what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of the Son of God, to follow Jesus, to recognise that he is absolutely supreme in all things, that he comes from a higher place than family, even our own life. 
Jesus reminds the crowd to follow him with their whole life, that they would give up their personal goals and dreams and instead of pick up their cross for Jesus so that wherever Jesus goes, they go. If he suffers, they'll suffer. If he rejoices, they'll rejoice. If he is blessed, they'll be blessed. They will follow as a disciple Jesus. I see here, see and hear Christians who are dissatisfied with life. They want a better job, a better home, a better family, a more exciting marriage, half yearly holidays, more is added, more is asked for, more is prayed for. Yet Jesus is clear here, to be a disciple is to seek Jesus and the carrying of our cross daily, to die to self, to hold on to Jesus. That is not a devotion to holidays or stuff, that is a devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour of the world. Devotion to Jesus above all others is the mark of a true disciple of Jesus. And that is what Joshua meant in the Old Testament when he said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. A disciple is one who publicly declares Jesus as the Son of God, as the only Saviour, one who is daily changed into the likeness of Jesus, and one who devotes their entire life to the Kingdom of God. This is what the Kingdom of God is interested in. Devoted sinners saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a disciple. Back to the vision, making disciples. Well, it has no specific formula. However, throughout the New Testament, we do get certain bits of advice and commands to help us along the way. And before I touch on them, I think what is evident is that you cannot be a disciple maker unless you first have a deep conviction that there is a hell, that there is only one saviour in Jesus, and that this is an urgent message to get across to people. Charles Spurgeon surmised this when he said, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled by the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. We must have a deep conviction that people are going to hell without Jesus and that we have the good news of God's rescue plan and we are going to try everything we possibly can to get them to know that message so that they will not go into hell and instead have that eternal reward in Jesus. Yet there are a few more elements that we need to consider as we look to making disciples. Uh, firstly, to make disciples we must go. It seems fairly obvious to say that. However, we often build the church and its ministries and convince ourselves that we are putting up the best ministries, have the best building, have the best online church, talk about evangelism, and we are a great community church. Yet this isn't the model that was set before us by Jesus in the early church for evangelism. We see throughout the whole of the New Testament a distinct movement of people. Christians being sent to new regions, Christians going where there is no church, Jesus speaking to those who are hated like the woman at the well and Zacchaeus the tax collector. Christians believing in the gospel have got up and went. And that is why the Great Commission begins with the word go. Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. What I want you to see is that making disciples is intentional. You have to get up out of your comfort zone and go out to all the nations. 
And let me be very clear here, there's a difference between Christian charity, that's doing good towards others, and Christian mission and evangelism. Going intentionally to take the gospel to others, to bring them to Jesus, is key to making disciples. And it's never been easier. We have online church, social media, we can connect the world with the gospel message, but we still have to get up and go and tell people about Jesus. And secondly, to make disciples, we must tell them of what God has done. Charles Stanley, a senior pastor of the Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, said, God's plan for enlarging his kingdom is so simple. One person telling another about the Saviour. Yet we are busy and full of excuses. Just remember, someone's eternal destiny is at stake. The joy you will have when you meet that person in heaven will far exceed any discomfort you felt in sharing the gospel. How do we make disciples? Simple. We tell them about Jesus. We tell people about God's salvation plan. We tell them that we are God's creation, that we were perfect, that we were good and that we had authority over creation. We tell them that sin entered the world and we all became disobedient through the actions of Adam's failed covenant. We tell them that we have fallen short of God's holy standard and that not only do we deserve an earthly death, but we deserve an everlasting death because we have gone against God. But praise God for Jesus because he sent a solution, a rescue plan in Jesus being a sacrifice for our souls that he would give his life so that we might be saved. And John 14, 6 tells us that there is only one way and that way is Jesus. The Acts 2, 38 says that when we repent and believe in Jesus, we will receive new life. And 1 John 1, 9 tells us that God is faithful to forgive our sins. And friends, that is the good news of Jesus, that we are to be busy sharing with the world. That once we were lost, but now we can be found in Jesus. We should be passionate about it. We should be animated about it. It should seep through every element of our life. Jesus, the rescue plan of God. Thirdly, we are to make disciples. We need to remain faithful and let God convict our own hearts and our own minds. And the early church in Acts 2 can be a real encouragement and a real example to us. At Acts 2, uh, let's just read that out from Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Our role as God's children is to be first faithful. John 3.30 says that he must become greater. That's Jesus. He must become greater in our lives and we must become lesser. In being devoted disciples, learning, worshipping, praying and proclaiming, we need to look to God and his will. The Lord will add to our number daily those who will be saved. You see, we don't do the saving. We are the faithful ambassadors. We have the message that we implore people to listen to. We get up, we go, we tell them the message. We send missionaries to remote parts of the world. We church plant, we preach sermons. We do anything we can to share the gospel. But it is the Lord who saves and it's the Lord who forgives, and it's the Lord who gives new life. 
However, this is just the first part of the Great Commission to make disciples and to baptize them. That is the first part of our vision. Get up, go out, tell them about the gospel and make disciples. But then there's the second half, growing disciples in Jesus. Salvation is, yes, by faith alone and grace alone. It is not by works. It's not by good deeds. It's not a legalistic ritual. However, that doesn't mean that once we are saved, we're to remain exactly the same. With our hearts and minds still focused on Jesus, we're to grow and to help others grow in their faith. Hebrews 6.1 Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. We are to leave Jesus as our saviour and then we're to grab hold of everything he has taught and begin to understand God, to know his ways, to be changed daily into his likeness. We're not to just take Jesus in salvation and then pop him on the shelf and forget about him. We're to take hold of Jesus, take hold of that message and grow in it. Now, if we head to our Bibles into Second Peter, we went through this series not so long ago and we are meant to grow in every aspect. We're to grow from faith into goodness, from goodness into knowledge, from knowledge into self-control, from self-control into perseverance, from perseverance into godliness, from godliness into mutual affection, from mutual affection to love. We're to grow, grow, grow as Christians. And we need to encourage new believers as well as long-term believers to study the word of God which will then lead them to worship God in prayer. That is why we run a daily reading programme, to encourage increased Bible intake. When we grow in God's word, we gain knowledge, we gain affection for our fellow believers, and we'll gain the wisdom of God to know what is wrong and what is right. To grow disciples, we need to lead people to Jesus, to worship him, to love him and to learn from him. That means we need to lead people away from sin, away from the things that would distract them from God and towards Jesus himself. And so that is why our vision was two years ago, last year, this year, and will continue to be to make and to grow disciples in Jesus. We make because we've got the wonderful message of God. We grow because his word teaches us everything we need to know. And we plan to do that ourselves, being a disciple and growing ourselves, And we plan to encourage others to meet Jesus and to grow in their faith in 2021. But what of our mission? If that is our vision statement, what about our mission statement? Well, a mission statement differs from a vision statement in one key element. Where the vision sets out the goal and the aim, the mission statement sets out how you will practically go about today to ensure that you achieve that vision. So how do we today go about making and growing disciples? How do we ensure that practically here at Lincoln Baptist Church? Well, our focus needs to be intensely on God's kingdom and entirely biblical. And that is why in looking at Acts 2, we find the mission of the church. I'm just going to read it again. I read it out earlier, but I think it's important that we read this again. Acts 2 and from verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Taking just from this one verse, we can find a mission statement, a practical helping of how we achieve our vision here at Lincoln Baptist. And our mission statement came to this. Lincoln Baptist is a church which is devoted to teaching the Bible, sharing in fellowship, 
the gospel through communion, meaningful prayer and worship. Now, we all know that Lincoln Baptists, we're a church. We're, as God's people, gathered together. We are a family, one and united as a church. We are local in that we serve Lincoln. We are Baptists in that we believe in believers' baptism, declaring our faith as new creations in Jesus. We're a church. We're not an institution or a charity, but we are a church. We're the body of Christ. We're ambassadors together, one family, one body, one together. And we are devoted to Jesus. And therefore, as the early apostles and are, and the church is, we're devoted to living our lives out for Jesus in our local setting. But then what do we mean by teaching the Bible? If we're going to be a church in a local setting that is one together, what does it mean to then teach the Bible? Well, when we talk about the early church or this first church, we're talking just weeks after Jesus had died, rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven. The church, in recognising the significance of being born again through the resurrection of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is to say they devoted themselves to the word of God. Psalm 1-2 tells us of the blessed man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. The early church found delight in living for Jesus so spent their time learning about him. Romans 10-17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the early church built their faith in Jesus and the gospel by hearing and learning from the scriptures. The word of God was everything to the early believers and it should be everything to us today. We should be rooted in it, guided by it and living through it. At 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. There is no situation in life that the church need not go to the word of God for advice and guidance. And that is why in Acts 20, 27, Paul says, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Now, the practical question, because remember that mission practically supports the vision, is to ask how we're going to go about teaching the Bible here at Lincoln Baptist. Well, recognising that the word of God holds authority, wisdom and knowledge, we're focusing on the word of God as a central element. In the coming months, we'll complete our Mark series, having spent over a year studying through this gospel account. We'll then spend 10 weeks working through the book of 1 Thessalonians, learning how to practically live for Jesus. And then after the summer, we're going to head to Genesis for one of our longest sermon series and looking at how everything began. In our house groups, we're going to be studying 1st and 2nd Corinthians throughout the year, looking at how the church can be established and rooted in God's word. We've launched our 2021 daily reading program so that when we're not together as the body of Christ in one location, we're still reading and learning and studying from God's word. We're encouraging the church to read the whole Bible this year, not just bits, not the bits you like, not avoiding the bits you don't like, but the whole Bible. The word of God must be central to everything we do. It's not about an opinion. It's about seeking God to know what is right and what is wrong. It's not about popularity. It's about seeking what God wills for us in our lives. It's about devotion to learning and teaching the very words of God. And as we do that, as we learn God's word, we're able to go and make disciples because we know the message better. And we're able to grow disciples because we can lead them through God's word so that they can know God more. And so devoting ourselves to the study and teaching of God's word helps us achieve our vision. 
So then what do we mean by sharing in fellowship? Well, the early church came together to learn from God's word. And when they did so, they fellowshiped together. They literally met together, ate together, and in some cases, they even lived together. They were united in this one thing, the risen Saviour, Jesus Christ. They encouraged one another to seek Jesus, to find joy in the risen King and to devote their lives to him. Just as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up. They put each other before themselves. They acted like Jesus, humbling themselves, sharing in fellowship and learning from one another. 1 Corinthians 10.24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbour. When they were united in Jesus, they sought the inexpressible joy of Jesus for their friends. Yet we also need to make sure when we talk about fellowship, we're not simply talking about gathering and eating food. We're talking about living the Christian life together. Older men being an example to the younger men of what it means to walk faithfully in Christ. Older women being an example to younger women of what it means to faithfully walk in their lives for Christ. Younger women being devoted to Jesus. Younger men being self-controlled and focused on Jesus in their lives. Do you see how every member of the church has a responsibility and accountability to one another? That is what it means to be in fellowship. When we're an example to one another, when we help one another, when we sharpen one another, when we come together and we challenge and encourage and support and spur one another on. This is what it means to live in fellowship together. So again, practically, how are we going to go about doing that this year at Lincoln Baptist? Well, we would encourage you to be part of our house groups, to fellowship through God's word and prayer, to make friends that you can lean on, who can guide you through the God's word and who can share tears and laughter with you. We have four Zoom house groups currently and we prayerfully hope that they will begin to meet in person later in the year. As a leadership, we'll endeavour to be responsible for pastoral care. Each of the leadership team will be available to counsel, comfort and guide the church in their relationships with one another and with Jesus. We'll encourage church membership to formally recognise and declare another's faith. And within that, we'll encourage baptism to publicly declare their faith in Jesus. And we'll talk to people. Often we're asked, how do we serve our community? We talk to them. We listen to them. We share the gospel with them. Fellowshipping together in the name of Jesus is central at Lincoln Baptist because it creates relationships that help us make and grow disciples in Jesus. You can't make and grow if you're not first building relationships. So fellowship is incredibly important. But what do we mean now then by the gospel through communion? If we're at Lincoln Baptist is devoted to the gospel through communion, what do we mean by that? Well, John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The early church was united in the inexpressible joy that the resurrection brings together a united remembrance of Christ's sacrifice, that we are free from the burden of sin. And so they, together as the early church, united in their homes and broke bread daily. And we tonight in our online communion service are going to do that for the first time in 2021. We're going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We're going to still our hearts, welcoming in to refresh and renew our affection for him. We're going to gather together online as we celebrate King Jesus and we continually proclaim that loving sacrifice. 
What does it mean for us to share in the gospel through communion? It means that we believe and live out the gospel of Jesus through the act of communion. We will regularly do this this year. At the minute we have a Zoom communion once a month, we hope to and pray to increase that to twice a month in the coming months ahead. And when we get back to the church building, we'll celebrate communion both morning and evening so that many can join us irrespective of their family situations. We want to be celebrating and proclaiming what Christ commanded us to do, to proclaim his death, to know forgiveness in his name and to be forgiven and set free as children of God through the act of communion and celebrating through Jesus. Then what do we mean by meaningful prayer? And I want to be very clear here, we've added the word meaningful before prayer to our mission statement. The beauty of Jesus defeating death is that he is alive. A dead God can't hear us. A dead king is powerless. Yet Jesus is our hope because he is alive. He's our mediator between us and God, making peace between man and God because he is alive. And the early church realised this, so they devoted themselves to prayer. Psalm 17, 6, I call upon you for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me, hear my words. God hears our prayers and he answers them. The early church had much to pray for and they praised Jesus that they could pray together. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Praying all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So that is a crucial thing for us to see, that we are to pray together, united together, so that we persevere in our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, these individuals in the early church prayed at their own homes, but they also joined together to pray. And that is what is now commonly known as corporate prayer, when the church comes together to pray. And I would encourage you, exhort you, even implore you to come together in prayer. How does that look like in 2021? Well, for now, we have our Zoom prayer meetings every two weeks on Saturday morning. A wonderful time to pray for global matters, to give thanksgivings and to pray through our church membership. We have a weekly prayer email that comes out every single Friday, giving you a list of things you can be praying for and we'll regularly keep you up to date. In just the last few weeks, we have been astounded by God answering our prayers. He has healed someone who has had COVID and who is so desperately sick and we prayed and they got better. For three years, we've been praying for an individual in church that they would have a settled status here in the UK. And praise God, he gets to start a new life because God answered prayer. I would encourage you that for us to make and grow disciples in Jesus, we have to be on our knees praying, praying for opportunities, praying that we would be living examples, praying that God would do his work in our time and through our church. We must be meaningful in our prayers. It's not a long checklist of just giving God what we think we need, but actually coming before the Father, coming before the Son, seeking the Spirit and humbly requesting that the Lord would act and act now. Then finally, in our mission statement, we are devoted to worship. What do we mean by worship? Well, I'm just going to read out one long passage because I think it basically explains what worship is. 1 Chronicles 16 and from verse 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. 
Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in splendour of the holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt. Let everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for the, comes, for the Lord comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. What worship we read off in the Bible. It's not about a feeling or some form of positive thinking. It's about the shouts of praise, giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his splendour and majesty are wonderful. We worship with our whole lives, for Jesus is our glorious saviour. What does this mean practically at Lincoln Baptist? Well, it's not just about sung worship. It's about our life. It's about our prayer life. It's about our devotion to Jesus. It's about what we sing, what we say, what we take in. It's about saying no to false teachers and grabbing hold of true doctrine. It's about saying that we will stand differently because we are holy and set apart as God's people. And it means glorifying God this year. And so every song we sing will be poured over to check that it is biblical. Every prayer that we pray will follow the pattern of God's word. Every leader that leads the church will seek to be devoted to our Lord Jesus. And everything in our church, everything will be glorifying God. And if it doesn't, it's time to get rid of it. Well, to wrap up, we have a vision to make and grow disciples in Jesus, to achieve that Lincoln Baptist is going to be a church that is devoted to teaching the Bible, sharing in fellowship, the gospel through communion, meaningful prayer and worship. Will you join us this year, not in something new, but in something old? Will you stand determined and focused on Jesus? Will you stay and hold the line with us? Will you go into this world ready for the battle cry of Jesus? Friends, now is the time to either jump on or jump off. Now is the moment to commit together as a family. Now is the moment to be fired up. Now is the moment to be all for Jesus. And we have a question for you today. And that question is simple. Will you join us? Will you seek to make and grow disciples in Jesus? Will you seek to be devoted to sharing and fellowship, to the teaching of God's word, to the gospel through communion, to meaningful prayer and to worship? Will you be all for Jesus in 2021? Will you cast off restraint and just go for the Lord Jesus? And shall we cry out together, hold the line, stay with me. Friends, do join us in 2021 as we take our vision and we take our mission and we resolutely, determined, see it come to fruition this year. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to once again share the vision and mission that you have laid on our hearts. We pray that we would truly see disciples made, that we would see disciples grow in you. Father, we pray that we would be people of the word, that we would love it and just seek to spend so much time in it. Father, we pray that we would worship you, that we would pray before you, that we would seek to proclaim you through the gospel of communion. And Father, may 2021 be a phenomenal year, not because of some positive thinking or New Year's resolution, but because you are Jesus, you are Lord, you are Saviour, you are the same yesterday, today and forever, and we stand upon the rock of Jesus in 2021. Father, we pray that this year would be all for Jesus. 
in your precious name. Amen.